What's going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and I'm stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer again in 2021 with the Bases Loaded Podcast continuing as part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live. And all Bases Loaded podcast listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code Bases Loaded. That's Bases Loaded, all one word. Rotoballer is home to number one Fantasy Pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, more than 300 2021 player outlooks, and all of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code Bases Loaded. Just go to rotoballer.com slash Bases Loaded and get your draft kit today. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 140, 140 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Tonight, I'm joined by a ex-co-host, a previous co-host, whatever you want to call him. Um, a man who's really just out there making a great name for himself. A guy I consider a dear friend. The master of the stream as dubbed by uh, Coaching Ish, Mike Simeone. SP Streamer, what's going on, man? Welcome back to the show. It's been a while, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I was going to say, you sound just like Doug right now. He always says that. Master of the stream. I'm like, Doug, I'm not a master at anything. <laughs> you're, you're probably the master of your Twitter. You really <laughs> handle that properly. But anyway, I'm happy to have you back, buddy. It's been way too long since we've podcasted. It's always a fun time. I got a new green screen, so I'm messing with things. I was going to rock the Mariners gear, but look, for those on live stream, I can't. You disappear. <laughs> I can rock it like Matt Williams, though. You know what, Matt? This is for you, buddy. This is actually for the kid rocking my Mariners hat backwards. All right. So tonight we're talking, are we in or are we out uh, on pitching? Obviously, why else would I have you on? No one wants to talk hitters with you. They just want to talk pitching. And yeah, uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I've started to realize that trend. Every podcast I go on, strictly pitching, no hitting at all. <laughs> well, we can change that, but not tonight. Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's because... I wanted to give you a lot of these names, and these are names that actually came from Twitter. P- um, I put out a question about p- players people wanted to hear more about, get more um, interest in, and just see if our, our, our opinions in terms of being in or being out. Yep. And these are the names. So you'll see them, and most of them are high-end names with a couple later guys. So, I mean, there's not much. <laughs> we'll get into it, obviously. But before we do, Mike, I spent countless hours. You spent countless hours. Dave, uh, Clegg, Shelly. The draft kit. Take it away, my friend. Yeah. Um, so our draft kit is out. Um, you can buy it buy it in our shop at spstreamer.com. Um, it's amazing. I mean, it's um over like it's I think it's like 130 pages, over 120,000 words. Our strategy section alone is 50 pages. Uh we've been getting a, back a lot of great feedback, which is amazing. Um we've surpassed by a good amount what we sold last year so it's good it's growing um you know it was definitely stressful for as you know mike for for several months because uh there was a lot of writing in it i mean one hundred twenty thousand words isn't a joke 
Um, no kidding. I know. Trust me. I know. I did my yeah. first year, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we, I know. We we all did a lot. Um, so I'm really appreciative. But uh, yeah, so just a quick shout out to everyone who did it. Yeah. Obviously, Mike here. Um, we had Dave McDonald on it, uh, Shelly Verstreet, and Chris Clegg as well. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, and I'm always looking forward to the next one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying the downtime a little bit, not going to yeah. lie. It's like the gotta... season ends, and then we re- can relax for the playoffs and World Series. As soon as that's over, I'm like, all right, time to work on the kit. <laughs> well, yeah, because – and that's it, – it gives you an edge, but I'm not going to lie, man. My starting – like, because I focus so much on hitters, my like, I can talk about hitters all day, but now I got to catch back up with the starters, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know you kind of dive into the hitters a little bit here and there, but – because yeah, of between, I would say between being known for your SP, your SP streaming, your S, your starting pitcher stuff as a whole, and covering it, and you're making your pod tour. Like this is one of them. This was a last minute. Let's go live. This was your idea, and I'm like, <laughs> like without, like I didn't even have Streamyard anymore. I was like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have Streamyard now. This is <laughs> yeah. Look at the things I do for you, Mike. I, I, I give know. you my all. I give you everything, Great. buddy. Love it. Yeah, you better. You better be appreciative. But in all <laughs> seriousness, though, uh, man, the draft kit's awesome. It's only what four fifty now yeah four dollars fifty cents correct dude go out there Under, undercutting everybody yeah way to go you took away what justin mason always made special <laughs> about his he yeah. made sure to point that out to you too so i'm not just saying yes, that out of there that's true. but anyway all right so i guess we can get right into it and if anyone's watching live i see we have some people watching drop your questions in we will stop uh what we're doing and answer them or at least finish what we're thinking and then answer them yeah. but what we have here is about 10 or 12 names again you guys from gave us on twitter to answer about how if we're how we feel about them if we're in if we're out and all that good stuff and we're gonna start right at the top not much analysis is really needed but colin de grom i've been getting a bunch of questions about and i think in my opinion they're a clear top two but do you rank them as your clear top two as well and if so is there anybody else in that tier and what's who's how do you like give a preference to one or the other so, um, yeah, Colin DeGrom are uh, one and two. I actually ended up switching it as of late to Cole number one. Um, I think Bieber belongs there as well. I think it's just a matter of um, I think Cole it goes a little bit ahead of DeGrom because I feel like while DeGrom increases velocity, which is amazing, plus, um, you know, his arm isn't as old as his age. Um, he started to get a couple of injuries here and there. So I think there's a little bit of injury risk there, whereas Cole and even Bieber, I really don't see that. So, and plus I understand Cole didn't have a phenomenal season last year, but you know, the stuff is still there. He's phenomenal pitcher. I think, you know, he probably now knows what to expect pitching Yankee stadium and all that stuff. So I think we see a much better season from him. I think he has the highest floor um, or just as high as floor as DeGrom personally. Um, so yeah, I think they're no doubt one and two. I think Bieber belongs in that tier with them as well. All right. Oh, I just got a text message that my audio was bad. So I hope this is better. I don't know. I'm sounds fine to me. It always sounds fine to you. You can't tell the difference, but I just got a text message. So I'm looking out for the listeners, but I agree. I have Cole at one, two, and I think it's, I think it's cold ground Bieber. I do have them in their own tier as well. So I'm not going to really go much more into that. I, I don't really have any concerns up there. I think there's kind of a safe top three. And then Bauer kind of enters the mix as the fourth guy. He's not my fourth starting pitcher. Where do you rank Bauer? And does signing with Los Angeles change your opinion in any way? Or has it changed your opinion? Yeah, I was just asked this recently on another podcast. And it doesn't really change it at all. I think it's kind of a lateral move. 
Uh, I think the Dodgers are going to have no issues letting him just, you know, run with it like he always has, just pitch as many innings as he can. Um, I I don't know off the top of my head, Mike. I think I have him around seven. I could be wrong. It's right around there. I'm a little lower than most. And that's just because, um, it, you know, he's only had a sub four year twice. And I understand that, you know, if he's using substances, which he clearly did last year, but a lot of pitchers do, he obviously can perform really well. And uh, what's going to stop him from doing that this year? So far, we've heard of nothing. So um, it's hard to really go against him, especially because of the amount of innings he puts up. And this year, you're not going to see a lot of that. So he definitely has an edge. But I'm still a little concerned with, again, we've seen uh, above four ERA Bauer and a, like a below three ERA Bauer. Um, and I just feel like there's a lot of variance there and it's something I'm not willing to take a risk on. I know a lot of people love him and will, you know, would be happy to have him as their SP one, but personally that's, it's not for me. And I think the big thing was with Bauer, what I was really in on him for was the, uh, was the fact that he could be a guy that pitches every four days, but with the Dodgers, you can all, but for sure count that out. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's not happening. And right. do we see Dodgeritis with them? You think with him? You think? I mean, that's tough. He's kind of a sure thing, and his deal is kind of on the shorter. I mean, isn't it like a like an option after the first year or two? And it's like I think it's every year. Yeah, I I uh, I don't think we do just because he's built to to last, you know, and go deep into the seasons. Um, I would be shocked if we see some Dodgeritis with him, especially because I feel like he would be so vocal about it because you know Bauer is <laughs> not going to want that to happen. He would never go on. You feel like that would Twitter. just be a mess, and maybe the Dodgers be like, "Don't you know? Let's not do that." Or um, maybe what a start, but how much is that really going to you know affect you, especially if it's towards the very end of the season? So I would be shocked. Um, I'm not going to you know build that into his his value personally. Yeah, he he would never go on Twitter and say anything public that would get in trouble <laughs> yeah, with his no, team no, or, no, or no, upset no. his teammates or anything. That's, that's not Bauer. Bauer would never do that. He has a min pick of seven and a max pick of 15. Would you take him in that range at all? Um, yeah, I mean, if he falls, uh, of course. Um, Shallower formats, would you be more likely to – or are you more into him because you know you're getting those innings or at least you assume you're getting those innings from Bauer? No, Is he I somebody you I, like at the back end of a first? I would lean on him in deeper leagues where I know mm-hmm. I would need an innings floor, but he would have to drop for me to really uh, – like what is, what would you say is being taken? Uh, he Right now, over the – I should have mentioned the ADP we're referencing is NFBC over the last 30 days. And um, he's – Bowers ADP, like I said, it's sitting as the fourth SP off the board with a min pick of seven and a max of 15 over the last 30 days. Wow. So he's going first round. Yes. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. Like, I, I was going to say, I would like to take him towards the middle or end of second round. That's oh, so where you're I way would, out. I would do it. Yeah. I'm not going to get him. Yeah. You're not going to get it. Yeah, you no. mentioned he's your seventh ranked starting pitcher. So I th- I'm guessing. Yeah, off the top of my head, I think so. Well, you know, somebody like you, a professional like yourself, would have your ranks up in front yeah. of you. <laughs> I obviously expected too much of a. Oh, a friend of mine here to be prepared. Um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of high end, again, we're sticking with the top of the draft board without even trying to. This is almost like a starting pitcher like preview for the podcast as a whole. But uh, sticking with the top of the board, the fifth starting pitcher off the board, you Darvish, another guy going as early as nine, but his max pick is sitting there in the mid second of a uh, twenty six. 
Oh, you know what? I was wrong. Bowers max pick is 25. Okay, so I I wrote down Bieber's okay. max pick. So okay. Ma- Bowers max pick, you would like you would take him as max pick of 25. Yeah. Okay, so I'm that's my apologies. Max pick of 25, you're in on because I wrote down Bieber's max pick, which I'm surprised Bieber fell that far. Anyway, you Darvish's max pick is 26. So he's going back like pretty much back to back with Bauer. Are you taking first? Let me ask, are you taking Darvish over Bauer? And what are your thoughts on Darvish as a whole this year in 2021? Um, so I was right. I have Bauer at seven. I have Darvish at eight, and uh, that's just injury risk. I love Darvish. I think his game is great. Uh, you know, one of the deepest arsenals, if not the deepest arsenal in the league. Uh, but he he still has that injury risk too. I think. And what if um, what if that walk rate decides to creep back in a little bit? You know, I, I mean, he hasn't. He's basically gone a full year without it. So you'd think not. But what if maybe he hits a little injury and it ruins his mechanics? I mean, messes with his mechanics a little bit and then the walk rate kind of creeps back up. I think there's just a lot of question marks with these two overall. Um, you know, I'm, again, this is straight up nitpicking right here because um, they're both phenomenal pitchers. And it's just that's what you have to do at this point. And I would just rather other pitchers than them. Like, I'd rather Giolito than both of them. And um, I'd rather Castillo is going after both of them. So um, I just don't really see myself having shares. So me having Giolito as my fourth starting pitcher isn't crazy. Okay, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Like, that's Not why I have Giolito. I love Giolito. A lot of people have him at four. Oh, I'm, I've seen it, but yeah. it just feels like it's not spoken about a lot because I love Giolito. I guess we could talk about him. And we're going to talk about Castillo here in a moment because he's one of the names that people are asking about. But Giolito, man, the stuff's there, the change up and all that. He's in that division. The division isn't great, but I mean, what the Tigers? Bleh. Like, I, I like the um, what's it called? Wow, I'm blanking on the name of the Royals. I like the Royals offense a lot more than I thought I would, but I still got to see it first. There's a lot of strikeout potential in that lineup. And then you and then you have the twins who are they were mediocre last year, but they could be better this year. And then, of course, the um, the Indians, which are <laughs> not that great, but they always find a way to compete. But regardless, at the division, I'm trying to be positive. It's a bad division. Giolito, I'm just I'm harping on a guy. That I think he's going to I think Giolito's a guy who can give you close to the 100, 180 inning mark. And again, with that favorable division, I'm going to harp on that. I think those two combinations, plus there's a high floor there, makes me really in on Giolito. But what puts uh, what ranks? What makes you like him more than uh, what Bauer and Darvish as well? Yeah, you're talking about Giolito or Castillo? Yes. Well, you like, you like both. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I like I'm tangent time here. Tangent like time both. with Mike. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Giolito, I just think the, again, no real injury history there. I think the command is legit. Really good north to south with that fastball changeup, and um, that's that K rate is really nice, and that swing strike rate is really nice too. And I actually feel like we haven't even seen the best of him yet, so I think there's a little room for growth there, and that's what really gives him the edge for me over Bauer and Darvish, where I feel like we've seen um, you know their their floors and their ceilings, and I don't think we've quite seen the ceiling of Giolito yet. So I feel like there might be another gear there with him. Um, and he's improving every year, you know, so that's something you got to love. And then, I mean, you know, my love for Castillo, I don't even know. (laughs) Um, I I mean, the one thing that can hold him back that worries me is that horrible defense behind him because he does rely on ground balls as well as high strikeout rate, which is what I love so much about him. Um, so that's a little worrisome, but I'm not going to just, um, drop him 
because of that. I that could be stupid of me, but I, I don't care. I love <laughs> I love him. He's staying at four. He's your guy. This is he like is my you, guy. you are planting your flag on red starters this year. I do every I did it last year too. <laughs> and you're not a Reds fan, you're a Mets fan. Okay, mm-hmm. I gotta ask. I see a lot of Mets Twitter frustrated at not getting Bauer, frustrated at not getting this, not getting that. Are you ultimately happy with the offseason you've had so far? Yeah, I mean, how could we not be? I mean, well, you added, you, it's not common. I'm seeing so much anger and frustration. You know what I'm it a is? Fan. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy we didn't sign him. I feel like if he came here and didn't perform, it would be an absolute disaster with him in the media. But <laughs> it would be so much fun to watch. But you know what the, the other side of it is? Is because is if he was in our rotation, we, in my opinion, without a doubt, would have the best rotation in the league. And oh, yeah. I think that's the problem. And the way that he went to the Dodgers made it even worse with the whole website crap. So I think that's what makes it so difficult for us as us Met fans. <laughs> um, so it's tough. You know, I'm glad we didn't get the personality, but I'm also disappointed we didn't get the arm because if he does perform, our rotation is absolutely insane. Um, that being said, I'm happy. I'm okay. I mean, we got Lindor, Carrasco. I like McCann. I like the May signing. Um, you know, I would still like to see maybe one more move and it looks like they're trying to, you know, there's, um, there's word out there that we're trying, we're looking into Bryant again. Um, there's I've someone heard, else. I've heard Bryant Hendricks combo actually, that which would, would be, be insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, there was mention of someone else today too. I, I didn't quite believe it though. I'll try and find it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would still like to see more magician. If if we don't add anyone else, I still can't hate on it. We did more than we've done in the past like century. You got so, Lindor. Uh, <laughs> you got Lindor. I mean, you get and Crasco. Crasco's if he's healthy, oh, it's a love twenty five pitcher. Yeah, Crasco so. is fantastic. And right now, there's no DH in the NL, so that just boosts his value in terms of fantasy. Yeah. And and I think probably in reality, let him run. We'll let him, you know, pitch deep into games too. Yeah, why wouldn't they? I mean, he has a track record of doing so. Uh, he's been healthy rather uh, uh, relatively of late. I mean, I think you're going to get an IL stint or two. It's just kind of what comes with the territory with Carrasco. But overall, you know the stuff's there. You know he's going to be able to – you can kind of plug him in, set him and forget him. He's just a guy that, again, it's tougher to roster Carrasco in deep performance because you know you're getting IL stints. So it's like players going around him, though. Let's look him up. Players going around Carrasco. I mean, you have to make a choice between him and Plesak, essentially. And I think as much as I'm not like I'm a huge Plesak guy, I get torn because Plesak is a guy I expect to stay healthy. You know the team's going to let him pitch. So Max Fried, another guy who I don't really care. I like Krasko's stuff more, but Fried's another guy that I think the Braves are going to let him kind of just pitch. And he doesn't have the same injury history. And Sonny Gray is another one, obviously. So it's like he's in that weird – he's going right behind those three, but you still have to make a choice between those four. And Crasco's in that weird, like, I want to take him, but it's hard to uh, take him ahead of those names right in that area. But yeah. you have him ranked ahead of Plesak, don't you? Um, Which is not commonplace, I don't think. And like I said, ADP has Plesak ahead of him. I have him ahead of Plesak, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, like, that's kind of, like, that's not common. But is that, is do you let your Mets bias affect your rankings ever? I mean, you did move to off once. I would say no. No, no, I had him there before. Did you? Yeah, I, yeah. I had to ask. I had to ask because yeah, it's yeah. the whole Mets thing. But speaking of Mets, I love Stroman. I'm not gonna give up on that. And I don't know if you watched that video today of him and uh, 
um, pitching ninja man. Just I, talking not, I saw people talk Dude, about it, but I have not had the chance to. The am, I, I watched it with almost. I, I'm legitimately. I watched it with like a smile on my face. It was just so much fun to see the amount of joy that each of them got in that conversation and just talk baseball. Yeah, it was awesome. I actually literally enjoyed. I thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And not only did I thoroughly enjoy it, but then it came with some really good, like interesting points, especially how he's very unique with his pitch grips and all that stuff that, you know, as you get more into fantasy baseball, I've learned and I'm learning now as I get more into prospecting and all that, that there's so much more to the game than the numbers. And it's just so much fun to just sit there and listen to these pros talk about it because they know the game inside and out. And it's like enlightening, you know, it's crazy. I don't know. Sorry. I'm really good at these tangents. Let's get back on track. <laughs> you mentioned you love Luis Castillo. I love the mix of a ground ball pitcher able to strike out players. It's like a kind of like not necessarily a rare combo, but not something you see in your typical ace. I think Luis Castillo can be an ace. You you rank him as an ace. Um, I do. Obviously, the walks are kind of a concern, but all things considered, I really like Castillo. I'm sorry. I think it's by design because he's because he's going for the strikeouts. Yeah, I said this uh, last night on Bubba's podcast too. I, if you really look at the Reds pitchers, that's what they do, man. They they don't care. They'll throw outside the zone, and if you don't chase it, they don't give a crap because then they know the next guy will. So <laughs> they want you to chase. They want to get the strikeouts. They'd rather give a walk, give up a walk, than throw it in the middle of the zone just to throw it and end up lighting up a home run. That's what they care about, and it's it's obviously working. Yeah, <laughs> Mally's I, trending that way now, yeah. and you know, Sonny Gray is you know since he's been there, he's been like that. Castillo's like that. Um, Lorenzen looks like he's heading that way as well. It's just that's how they roll. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I was going to say you're just it's a philosophy thing, and you're in. Uh, speaking of uh, pitchers that are former aces, I should say. We're, I was speaking of. I was trying to say speaking of aces, but the transition didn't work because Snell is no longer an ace. But Blake Snell is a guy that the stuff we know can be there. It has trended downward slightly. But are you in? I mean, Snell, he's with a new team. The potential to pitch deeper in the games is there. Maybe they're not as – maybe they don't coddle him as much. But we know Snell does have the previous – what, the elbow issues, the – he had he had like what PRP injections I believe last offseason or something like that. So yeah, he's got uh, there's something about like loose fragments, loose bodies, in his elbow, loose bodies in his fr- in his elbow. Yeah, I mean that's scary. <laughs> um, and we kind of, I think the short season people almost forgot that that was a thing coming into 2020. Yeah. With it's it, it really stinks because he's so good. I love his stuff. I've always been a Snell fan. Um, you know, I mentioned North to South earlier. He's the best at mm-hmm. it. His curveball is insanely good. Um, you know, I it's just a matter of one: can he get through the rotation the third uh, through the rotation? All I think is pitchers through the lineup the third <laughs> time, which I I think we're um, underestimating him a little bit when it comes to that. And because uh, so, someone on my website actually wrote about it, uh, Josh Saint Marie, and it was pretty interesting. He actually said that. Uh, you know, he pointed out that he's basically league average. He's not elite, but he's league average when it comes to third time in the order. So maybe we're all making a little bit too big of a deal out of this. Um, well, when you have but, the expectations a Blake Snell has, then yeah, right. But I, it's I don't. No, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, with yeah, that, yeah. I don't saying. think people. You know, some people are like, oh, like this could lead to like a four year A. Like I'm not seeing that. You know, um, I think for him, it's all about the elbow, and if it could hold up and. <laughs> Who knows? You know what I mean? It's just like uh, 
it's almost like a ticking time bomb maybe um do you believe i mean no doubt in the skill set but that that injury is a little scary i will i I would take him in the right circumstance, but he, I, it would have to be like a new max probably for me to take him. Yeah. Cause his over the last 30 days, the min pick is 19, but the max is 82. So if he's falling to 82nd overall, I'm willing to take, take a shot on Blake Snell. Cause the 82nd uh, overall, um, I, y'all know, you, you do the math. I'm busy. Round, that's in the <laughs> middle of the fifth round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that feels be, like I mean, in a 15 teamer, that'd be tough to pass up. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is remember, you, uh, you're trying out new things. Aren't you crossing players off your board and stuff this year? Like, is he somebody that's crossed off your board? Or uh, No, not completely. He's someone that um, I would be willing to take if, if he falls. Yeah, I just wasn't sure how yeah. far falling means for you when it comes to Blake Smell. Smell, yeah, smell. I mean, yeah, if he's there in the six, how do you not take him? <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I'm at. But it's funny because you're seeing, you know, the De- Nelson Lamette fall more and more as draft season goes on, as uh, because you're seeing he's the news worse. come out that he's yeah. not ready. What happened? Yeah, he's worse though. Oh, no, no, I'm just I'm saying that, but he's he's at a point now where it's like pick 150 comes up, I'm still questioning if I should take him. Like, that's where I'm at with Lamette, and I know, yeah, I know you are like, he's off your board. Yeah, and I call him Denelson Lament, and I find that very clever, and I'm very happy uh, about that. The only way I would take him is if it was like pick two fifty ish, or like Ooh. you know, like he's got to be two hundred would be he's got to be like, a, you know, a bench guy, maybe a deeper bench guy for me to really grab him. But he will never reach there, so I'll never have a share. So I just took him off because it's there's no way that happens. I got you. Yeah, Lament, Lament, man. I I want it. The thing is, is it comes off as people, you and myself. Are rooting against them? No, we never root. We yeah. never root against players. That's like let's make that clear. We never root against the success of players. We are just realistic when it comes to risk yeah, assessment. The, yeah, or at least try to be. But you know, if Dave was here, Dave would tell you he's just about he's due for TJ again. Like it's, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I don't want to speak for Dave. That can get people in trouble. Like I don't mean to speak for anybody. I don't even want to talk about anybody. I got in trouble for that one time, and I'm good. But yes, I I actually have Dave coming on the podcast soon to talk strategy and risk assessment will be a conversation. And I will bring up names like Lamette as well for him to break down and discuss so he can speak for himself. He will 100%. uh, Yeah, I'll let let him speak for himself. I just I hate speaking for people. I've learned the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned the hard way. I've seen I've seen how Twitter reacts now. I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. So let's avoid it. Let's move on. Patrick Corbin. You love Patrick Corbin. I know it. I know you do. Um, he's going 144th on, on average. Velo was down. He just wasn't himself last year. The K's took a huge hit after being a double digit K, uh, double digit, uh, over 10 per K, uh, K per nine over the last two years prior. The K minus walk rate after being 20% or better the prior two seasons, Corbin's was 14.2 last year. Uh, where are you at with him, man? Are, are you hearing anything, seeing anything about Corbin, maybe fixing some of these issues? Are you just kind of down on him as a whole? Um, so it's funny, like, kind of like you mentioned before, everyone who brings me on their podcast, we talk pitching and I feel like every time I answer like these pitchers, I'm like people, if they listen to me on several podcasts, like this guy just says the same shit over and over. (laughs) It's so hard not to though. Like my opinion is my opinion. And like, like, that's what you do. You talk about about him last night on Bubba's too. Um, so yeah, the velocity dropped uh, lower than it ever has. If you look at his past seasons, he's always been a slow starter though. But it, like I just mentioned, the f- it's never been this low. So 
Could he have maybe started to catch on as the season went on? Possibly. It did start to increase in the second month of the season. Um, he's someone you need to watch in spring train. You got to see if that fastball is around 90, because if it is, then he potentially could go back to what we saw in 2019. And the fastball could be basically average, which is all he needs because that slider is just so freaking good and elite. Um, so that's what it's all about, Corbin. I'm not going to draft him until, you know, I do drafts close to the season. I can see what he's doing in spring training because if that velocity is up, then he's really intriguing there because there's so much upside. And I feel like if I build a good enough base early in the draft, then he's someone I'd be willing to, um, you know, take a shot on because I feel like if you take a shot on him and he's 2019 form, you're going to do very well in your league. If you build a good base, you know, if you go like pocket aces and then grab him and he's 2019 form, you have three aces on your team, um, which is insane. So yeah, it, it really relies on that velocity for me. And it's just a matter of that coming back because the slider's still there and it's still going to be great. And no. uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to no, ask, no, have that, you looked that, into, have you looked into Corbin's uh, halves in previous season? Has he been a slow starter traditionally? Does yeah, he that's take- what I was saying. If you if you look at the months, uh, if you even 2019, you just look at 2019, his velocity was down in the first month, and he started slow. I think he had like a four-something ERA. But then the, the velocity started to come, and he just you know dominated the rest of the season. Um, but like I said, what's really alarming from last year is that the, the fastball velocity was the lowest it's ever been like, yeah. ever. It was under 90, I think, which has never happened to him. So that's what sets off alarms where we think maybe this is the kind of downfall of Patrick Corbin, unfortunately. Um, so that's why you got to watch him in the string train and see how hard he's throwing. No, you definitely – that's really what it is. I mean, spring training matters, and I think it matters most for pitchers. And, yeah, if you look back at, like, 2017, I, I just pulled up his Brooks baseball page, and I'm looking mm-hmm. at his uh, four-seam velocity in 2017. You saw it start as high as 94 in February and as low as 90, like, high 91, 91.92 on average in uh, September of that year. And then it's kind of a similar trend. Like, actually, I lied. In 18, it was high, low, back high. And then in 2019, it was just low to high. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. It's almost like he doesn't even have – maybe he doesn't have a feel for it all the time. There's just yeah. a lot of like fluctuation there. I know he dealt with some TJ and stuff in between. So maybe that played into some of the, the velo stuff. But there seems to be fluctuation with Corbin and with that fastball all through his career. Right. And uh, like I said, though, I don't think it's ever reached as low as it was last year. Nope, season. 89 right. was the lowest. Right. But like yeah. you mentioned, it ticked up to 90 and a half and then literally 90.99 in September. So yeah. pretty much 91 miles per hour. But even at its highest point, that was still like one of the lower velocity readings we've seen. The lowest we've seen since um, June of, of 2018. So, yes, he's definitely trended the wrong direction. And again, it started lowest, the end of the lowest. So, and while Patrick- it's not, while it's not great, but in September last season, when the velocity started to tick up a little bit, I mean, he had a four three ERA and a four five fifth. So, again, while it's not great, he started to, you know, kind of, um, have, right. an, have an okay you know era <laughs> compared to august where it was a seven <laughs> yeah. so um yeah that philosophy is really important to him and that's definitely something everybody needs to be watching um a couple names going around them would you rather have patrick corbin or say a frankie montas uh man that's tough for me 
they're, I, right, they're like back to back in the rankings <laughs> or in ADP. I want to say I th- I think I'd rather Montas. Yeah. Okay. So you, but you're still torn. I think this one's easy personally, but I want to hear your thoughts. Sandy Alcantara or Patrick Corbin? Alcantara. Yeah. I, I, the fact that they're going right by each other is kind of crazy to me, but I guess that's where Corbin's going because there is that, that perceived upside. upside. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to look for one more name just to give people Marco Gonzalez or Patrick Corbin. Uh, Corbin now with the recent news coming from Seattle. Oh, about the they're not a, Yeah, they're not going over 170 innings, which I mean, I figured for for most pitchers, and um, you know, I, I figured for most pitchers we're going to see like 160 ish. Uh, but with him, you know, he he went deep in a lot of games, even though they're starting every six days. So I thought maybe he might have a slight chance of hitting 180, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I thought I thought his well, the thing is though, is he's pretty efficient in his starts, isn't he, uh, Marco Gonzalez? So he can pitch deep into games. He can get six innings in with like 80 pitches. I've seen him do it. He's a he pitches the contact. He's that, that type of guy. He's a quality yeah. over. He's a quality over quantity when it comes to throwing his pitches. And he's a guy that I've had on a lot of teams, especially quality start leagues, stuff like that. He's always been a guy I've owned yep. in those leagues, and. I just have a hard time believing he's like, I thought teams were smarter these days and would watch pitch count over innings. Cause innings, there's different ways to make up innings. You know what I mean? And yeah. Gonzalez is definitely a guy who knows how to eat innings with a, with a with very efficiently. And it's just, I don't understand the whole inning. Maybe with him, he might squeeze 180 or so out because of how efficient he is. We'll yeah. see though. Obviously that's to be determined. Depend. I mean, I don't expect the Mariners to compete, but hey, I've seen weirder things. We've seen the Mariners like seriously show up in like spurts, man. Did yeah. they start 2019 off like one of the hottest yeah, teams? Hot, and really yeah, they ended up they were in first place for like the first month and a half of baseball or something. Mm-hmm. It was absurd, and then that didn't last very long. No. Yeah, and then MLB Don, good name. I like that name. <laughs> Marco has a sneaky has sneaky good fantasy value. Oh, we agree. There's no, we're not doubting that. It's just yeah. the innings. The the when the team comes out and says, "Hey, here's a hard limit on innings," you kind of have to buy that, given the lack of context and the lack of innings for any pitcher last year. But I do think if there's one pitcher that's gonna uh, go ahead, uh, be a, put out put out more innings on the Mariners rotation, it would be Gonzalez. Um, Next, people up. You know what? I skipped one. We can make this one real quick because you actually tweeted this one, and I remember this tweet kind of picking up some traction. And even I chimed in, and I don't chime in much on your pitcher stuff, but I chimed in here. And Walker Bueller going 19th overall, back to back with Aaron Nola, uh, not 19th overall. I keep saying that with an ADP of 19 overall on average, and then Nola has an ADP of 23. They're going back to back in in drafts as pitchers. Which one do you prefer, and why? Yeah, so I had some people come back at me about this, and perfect. Uh, Let's talk about there, it. <laughs> there, there were great points uh, against me. So I basically questioned. You know, I, I don't live by projections. And I think some people got the idea by the way I tweeted it. And I more so just meant that I agreed with the with what ATC put out their projection was. Um, so it has Bueller around a, 160 innings, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. I, I remember. I can't remember what I'm at. Or high 160s, I think. And then remember, Nolan, yeah. like the 180s. And I said, is Bueller's skill level really that much better than Nola's, where um, the lack of innings make up for it? And I don't really, I'm not too sure I believe that. Um, I, I think Nola right now is, you know, 
close enough to Bueller where his the extra innings he's going to get will make him more valuable this season. I love Bueller. I would love to see him pitch 200 innings. I think he's fantastic. I think if he does get 200 innings, he will be a top three starter. Um, but I don't see that happening. And I they're deeper than ever. You know, <laughs> yeah. more than 2019. I know he pitched 100 innings in, in 2019, which Justin Mason mentioned to me. And they were deep then too. Yes, they had Ryu. They had Maeda, but you got to remember they had Maeda on the on that crazy, you know, that contract where they didn't really want to um, leave him out there too long. Ryu is, you know, injury prone, all that stuff. So I think they had to rely more on Bueller than they really wanted to personally. And I feel like this season with all the depth, they're going to make the playoffs. We all know this. They're trying to get back to back championships. So why wouldn't they skip a start with him or give him a phantom IL? stint every you know here and there to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs it makes complete sense i would hold if i was running the organization i would hold him and kershaw 150 innings i just yeah it, i, I wouldn't you yeah, have you, I mean, so many pitchers to you know back him up it just it it doesn't i just can't see him hitting 180 innings where nola easily can and nola i think it was like two or three seasons in a row before this was hitting 200 innings so I just I think the difference in skill level won't make up for the difference in innings. So I just was questioning why is Nola going after Bueller, and that's just my opinion. <laughs> but 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 the conversation I think the conversation should be there, and this was one of the few times because I love to give you a hard time. I love to just chime in and tell you why you're wrong. But I was like, I hate. I even said I hate to agree with Mike, but I agreed <laughs> with you, dude. And. A lot of it is like right now, if you look at the Dodgers rotation, Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, Urias, Price, that's the starting five. They also have Gonsolin and they have um, May. So they have seven right now. It doesn't include like anybody they could bring up off out of AAA and all that. You know I mean? They have depth everywhere. That's the problem. They have um, Josiah Gray as well, who's another guy that could be ready to pitch this year. I mean, he's in AAA. He's probably their top pitching prospect right now. Um, he's a guy that could contribute as early as this year. So they have him. That's an eighth starter. I'm not, I would never bank on him, but he's there. He's kind of chomping at the bit to get up. I have a hard time with Bueller over Nola as well. And then on top of that, Bueller, I remember last year, Bueller came out, started slow. And he said that he always starts slow. Yeah. And that paired with the fact that I think he pitches less innings than Nola is my reason I am with you. It's not because I don't trust the talent. It's not because I don't trust just him being elite per inning at the end of the season, but I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to chance him starting slow. Plus the Phantom IL stuff, plus, you know, just, I don't want that. I don't, it sounds like a headache. I just don't want, especially with weekly lineups daily. I think there's a little more, uh, I might go with the higher upside there because I know I can plug and play around him. I can stream pitchers. I know a great account for that. Um, <laughs> SP streamer, buddy, check that out. SP streamer, never heard of him. Um, yeah, he, he's all right. He he's he's kind of he's overrated. Man, that's that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, but in all seriousness, though, in like a shallower league, a daily lineup league, you want the high, you want the ceiling, you want the upside. In a in a NFBC type of format, in a fifteen teamer, a DC, you take the innings and you run. Nola is not going to miss starts unless he's hurt. I don't think they're going to limit him. The, the Phillies don't really have the options to do so. So all I'm doing is 
driving home the point that I agree with you. And I really hate agreeing. It's no fun to agree. <laughs> it's not. I, I hate you. Uh, I hate agreeing with you. I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, and for our, our boy, Frank Amarante, I think I say his, says his name right. He's, he agrees to Faye Bueller. And then he even said Giolito over Bueller. Dude, if you were here at the beginning of the show, you would have heard that. Me and him are both big Giolito guys. But yeah, uh, we all we agree with you, Frank. Appreciate you chiming in. Let's go ahead and move on down to Otani, the starter. How much have you talked about him? Have you talked about him a lot? Because I think a lot of it's like, hey, I'm fading the starter. Like, there's no reason to draft him as a starting pitcher. Yeah, um, I have yet to talk about him anywhere. Perfect. See, I, I finally got one. Finally got one. The only issue is I don't have much to say. About <laughs> uh, you know, what? there's nothing I mean, to really break down. A, he hasn't pitched. What a disaster. <laughs> um, I wish he would just be the closer. It honestly sucks. I mean, he's, I think he's a great pitcher. I, I love his stuff. Um, it's just the health. It's, it's not there. Uh, why would you take a chance on it? Um, you know, he's not right. Even, even if he's healthy now as a pitcher, it's going to take him how long to get into game shape when it comes to pitching. Um, how many innings per start at all are you? They have yeah, all that depth they signed around. I mean, they, you know, they came out last year saying he's going to pitch once a week. That's probably what you'll see this year, too, as long as he stays healthy. Again, great stuff. Forcing the slider, the splitter, all amazing. Um, I wish he could stay healthy. It's just, this is a sit and watch for me. If he's healthy all season, awesome, amazing. He is extremely valuable in daily leagues, probably one of the most valuable players if he's healthy all season and performs well. But um, I, I'm just going to sit back and watch this year and just see what happens. Uh, it, you know, I'd rather miss out than take a shot and get burned. Are, now, again, that goes back to you mentioned daily leagues. Otani in weekly formats, I'm just avoiding. I mean, if he's pitching oh, once yeah. a week, if he's pitching, if he's pitching once a week, that means he's hitting four to five days Monday through Friday, probably. Like last year, they were going to have him pitch every Sunday. Yeah. And in NFBC formats, you can still take Otani, the hitter, like the player, obviously, and still start him five days a week and then fill in the blank on the weekend. You know, that's kind of a nice thing with him. So at 234 right now on average, I can see myself falling into a share or two just for the hitter purpose because the hitter offers the power and the speed. You yeah. know that. I mean, he's given he gave us seven and seven last year, 18 and 12 before. And these are home runs and stolen bases for Otani. And then 22 and 10 the year before that. So the hitter, even though he only hit 190, that was with a bad 229 and a strikeout rate that won't likely stick of 28.6%. Right. He's going to hit the middle of the lineup, good lineup protection around him with Rendon, Trout, and Fletcher setting the table. I just, I really like Otani, the hitter and daily format. You mentioned it. If he, if it clicks as a pitcher, the dude is extra valuable there. So he, he jumps ADP probably close to 100 spots, if not more, in daily formats, but weekly. Not man, I'm 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 torn. I'm really torn. Have you had have you found yourself even interested slightly in Otani when he came up to pick in your like in your deeper formats? No, nah, I've never even thought about him. To be honest, you just he's like right now he's just one of those guys that are off your board. I mean, he's a guy you know, where he's going. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I've only done DC, so I want guys who I know are going to get me plate appearances. And he's going to get you plate appearances for the for the first half of the week, Monday through Friday. That's yeah, that's the that's thing not though. Enough. I don't want okay, that. Fine. Let's yeah, find you're him. looking at 400 plate appearances. I want a guy who's putting up at least five to six. You know. Yeah, but he and we saw in 106 games in 2019, 425 plate appearances. That, granted, he wasn't pitching. Uh, he gave you 18 and 12 in 2018. 
when he also wasn't pitching most of the year, he gave us 367 plate appearances, though, and put up 22 and 10 home runs and stolen bases. So Tani per game is a stud with certain categories. So it's it almost makes sense to take him because, I mean, where he's going, it's Otani or Hunter Dozier, Otani or Willie Castro. I like Dozier. <laughs> I do kind of like Dozier too. He should he should be batting sixth. He should be batting sixth. There's there's power and speed there. The batting average is the only question because 2019 was a clear outlier for, yeah. for Hunter Dozier, and Dozier offers the position, positional flexibility of first base and outfield. So okay, and Kendall, I like kind of like Candelario more. So there's that too. I'm hey, at look at this. He's already moving down. But but I'm, I I don't like Ben Attendee. You can keep. He's gonna rise. I now like Ben there's this, but he's gonna rise now. He's not gonna stay in this area. He's going 230 right now over the last he's three still days. But playing for the Royals, I don't know if he's really gonna rise that much. He, there's this new like found hype on him over the last few days. He's like uh, a perfect sell I've high. I've been drafting him. I I've done three draft. I three drafts. I have him in all three. Love him. Well, perfect. I mean, we'll talk. We could talk about it because you know what? I want to finish up here. We have two more pitchers, and I was uh, gonna surprise. Good. I was gonna surprise you with a quick. Give me some hitters you like to target in your drafts because I know you don't oh. talk hitters. So I want to talk hitters with the streamer. All right. Uh, real quick, quick thought. Fine, we'll make these quick thoughts. Quick thoughts on Cindergard at 37, 30, she's oh, 32, 327.86 overall on average. Are you, I mean, he looks great in these videos. He looks like Thor, but is Cindergard going to bounce back? Do you think, you think we see a lot of them? Do you think they ease him in? What are your thoughts on Cindergard? Yeah. I mean, I actually expect the Mets to be pretty competitive. And I, I think it kind of depends on the health of the rotation. I think if the rotation stays healthy, they're definitely going to slowly bring them in as much as Syndergaard's not going to want that. Um, but it makes sense because if we're competing and we are, let's say, you know, we're, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to win the division, but say we're winning the division, um, you know, and we look like we're going to hit the playoffs. I don't think they're going to rush them. They're going to want to save them for the playoffs. Um, but that's not even my main concern. My main concern with him is the health still. I mean, how many times has he been injured? I, I'm afraid he's going to try and come back quicker than he really should. Um, even if he comes back, he's coming off major surgery. So, like, who knows what kind of Syndergaard we're going to get. He's got to get into game shape. We might not see the real Syndergaard we want until September. So, him, Sale, Severino, I'm not touching any of them in any drafts. Not for Well, me. Sale had a setback. Yeah, I am <laughs> shocking. Yeah, like anybody coming off TJ having setbacks shouldn't shock anybody. Yeah, he's got a That's the thing. Chest, yeah, and that it all connects. You know what I mean? Like it's all part of it. It's mm-hmm. uh, sale man, one of the greatest pitchers, like one of like just the nastiest pitchers. And if only we could have had him healthy for his whole career, because it's going to be. I think there's going to be a what if factor with Chris Sale when it's all said and done. Yeah. But the final guy here, the man known for cutting Paul Spore's lawns, Kyle Gibson. <laughs> uh at least that's a sleeper in the bus reference i i believe um kyle gibson adp of 550 i mean he has he gives you innings that's kind of what you're targeting that late mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on kyle gibson though as a whole um yeah you know what it's been a little rough for me to to or tough for me i would i should say to decide on on gibson kind of like what cubby Noel just said <laughs> I, Noel, I, I, can't him. I, I can't quit him um you know what it is? Like you said, one, he's going to get innings. He's going to pitch for Texas. They got nobody there. Um, so that's good. I Coming into the season, I wanted Ballpark. to see him throw. Yeah, true. 
I want to see him throw his breaking balls more because they were really good in 2019, like really good, especially when it came to whiffs. Um, but we get into 2020 and he, it looks like he upped the slider and he did up the change up, but he lowered the four seam and up the sinker, which I didn't want. I don't want the sinker to be thrown more because the sinker's not good. Uh, hitters kill it. It has a 433 Woba against it. Not great. Um, I would like to see him lower that sinker, maybe bring the the, fa- the four seam up a little bit. But again, love the slider changeup. I think he's got two really good breaking balls. I just want him to figure it out already. Um, but he's getting up there in age. So yeah, do I have a share already? I do. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's because of the innings and um, he's going so late where like if you're in a, in a draft champions, you know, it's just towards the end of the draft and you're grabbing someone who's going to get you innings. Um, I, I would love to see him succeed. Yeah. But kind of like Cubby Noel, he's just one of the, like he said, he's just one of those guys that can't quit for some reason, kind of like a Musgrove, although I think Musgrove might actually finally do it this year. Um yeah, yeah, just, like, so, just I mean, like Matthew Boyd was finally supposed to do it last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I'm a little, I'm a little biased towards him. Um, so yeah, maybe you shouldn't listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> well, at, at, at pick five fifty, are you really good? It, it's and, a, yeah, I mean, if you're in a normal league, you're not drafting him. You're leaving him on the wire and just watching him. He, he's gonna be but, somebody you stream early on. Watch exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, in a draft and holds, it makes sense to take him towards the end. Why not? I don't think I've ever showed this guy. I haven't had it since I live stream, but I have a stress ball that's a baseball. So I thought I'd share that. It's kind of cool. Oh, that's yeah, invisible. I'm squeezing my stress ball, which is a creepy guy. <laughs> and it's, everybody tell everybody why you got it. Because you, you told me. I was like, I oh, it's great. I was like, I, dude, I always I like fidget, fidget so with much. pens and stuff when I'm I on got one a of those podcast. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I got one of those two. Well, I keep a pen and a notepad. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, green screen, green notepad. Now you see me now. You know. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm having such fun with this green screen. I mean, I keep a, I keep like, a pen. Yeah, no, if you were listening, like, what's going on? I keep a, a pen and notepad there, and just in case I have a question, I want to write down so I can bother you to ask you. But before we get to these questions, we only got a few couple questions from listeners prior to the recording. So, I'm a, it's a surprise segment called Pick uh, Hitters with Hitters with SP Streamer. I don't know, bad name, terrible segment name, but I want to know just so a couple bad. names. Surprise me. I want to talk some hitters. You never get to talk hitters. I could tell you want to. So give me a few guys that you just like. You mentioned Benintendi, so we can talk about Benintendi if you want. But um, other than him, is like you want to start there? You want to start with Benintendi? Why, you know what? Why do you like Benintendi? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple with him. Um, based, where he, based off of where he's going, if he does somehow come back to a decent average and you know he's probably going to put – up 10 and 10 i think it's pretty valuable where he's going um especially if you need steals and you don't want to get killed you know in the other categories he does a little bit of everything and um whether he rebounds or not i feel like honestly no one knows i don't care what they say um i know everything (laughs) and i just feel like why not take a shot you know based off adp and especially if hey you never know what if he ends up going back to 2020 then you're making out big time when, when it comes to Ben Attendee, he's dealt with injuries over the last few years, issues with mechanics. The guy was adjusting his like mechanics and swing over the last couple of years as um, as he struggled and all that. Ben Attendee's just a guy that never really got a chance to return to form. And I remember reading something on Twitter somewhere. I think it was a beat writer that mentioned he's shed some muscle. I remember he bulked up and everyone was super excited back when he bulked up. But when these young guys bulk up, it changes 
their everything. It just changes your mechanics. It changes the way you play, how fast you are, et cetera, et cetera. So with Ben Attendee, if he shed that muscle in an attempt to get those mechanics back in order and be the guy he was, I think we could see the 15-15 guy come back. And he's getting a change of scenery, which would be really good with him. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I ranked Ben Attendee higher than a consensus as well. I mean, he's my 56th outfielder in the draft kit. SP Streamer Draft Kit, you know, SPStreamer.com, check it out. Um, let me find, I'm trying to scroll up here to get the overall outfielders to get an idea of how much higher I am on them. So I have him ranked as the 56th outfielder, him as in Benintendi, and he is going as the 63rd outfielder on average. So obviously I'm a little higher than consensus. Not like a, like a, not a tremendous amount, but obviously that means I'll probably end up with more shares than I won't. But I expect him to move up because there's this hype around the idea of him just getting a fresh start. And you give a guy like this a fresh start, a chance to clear his head, expectations go down leaving Boston because it's Boston. You're going from Boston to Kansas City. The expectations are far, far lower. Um, I think that's a lot of good in his favor. But, mm -hmm. yeah, you notice how I haven't mentioned numbers with Benintendi because you can't. If you're in on Benintendi, you're betting on the just the mental aspect, the all the other stuff yeah. figuring itself out. You're not banking. You can't look at the numbers and think there's any positive things there. And ask. Yeah, and MLB Don chimes in again. Uh, I like Ben Attendi batting behind Merrifield. I said that today. I got some pushback because there's a lot of Mondesi truthers. <laughs> I Everyone that listens to me at all knows my anti-Mondesi. I call Mon don't see because I can't help myself with the stupid puns. I don't like the whole thing either. Well, I understand. The problem is, is NFBC formats – He's really good at chasing for an overall aspect. You want to grab a share or two if you're chasing that overall because we saw six weeks of him being droppable and three weeks of him being league winning. Yeah. And my concern with him is really comes down to this. Yes, in Roto, Mondesi will give you an overall stat line that is elite in theory, but the lows are so low and you can bank on those lows because of how volatile his profile is, with play discipline and all that. We saw Mondesi drop down the lineup last year when he struggled. If Ben Attendi has a strong spring, I'd be hard pressed to believe that. And if well, it depends if Mondesi follows with a strong spring, if he starts up at the top lineup. But if Mondesi struggles in spring and Ben Attendi starts hot, why would it be so odd to think that we see Mondesi start the bottom of the lineup again? Batting ninth makes a lot of sense for his skill set because he's not an on base guy, but he's a speed threat and a guy who can get on enough. And that skill set plays well batting at the bottom of the lineup. I don't know. I just don't have the confidence in Montessi because I know the lows are going to be there. But what if the highs aren't as high as we hope or as high as we need them to be? That's another thing. Yeah. The highs might not ever – like there's a chance that the highs don't hit. Good point. And that's why I'm scared with Montessi. Yep. I agree. Um, well, I didn't expect you to argue with me on that one because you weren't <laughs> going to uh, – I'm very passionate about my mon don't see. Uh, but, yes, and it's always a bad pun or bad joke with me. Uh, who's another hitter you've noticed yourself being pretty in on? Yeah, um, one who I like a lot actually that's going late is Brian Reynolds. And um, it's just because I really think he's going to give you that average, uh, the high floor and the average, and then bring you a little power, which I think you really won't find that late in the draft where he's going. Um, you know, the Babbitt tanked last year. Um, and if you look at what he has done, you know, in the past in the minor leagues, uh, he's never hit below 300 at any level. Sounds uh, like somebody read the draft kit. Um, actually, no. I have a little, I have a little uh, thing coming out on him tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because I happened to write that exact oh, phrase seriously? in this. Yeah, 
He then, never it, hit under 300 at any level. I wrote that exact line, and I'm looking at my draft here right now. And then the Babbitt too has um, I I you know I can't read like pitcher unlike pitchers I can't think off the top of my head numbers, but um, I know he's always had a high Babbitt as well. And Three, uh, 231 Babbitt for him to have like he had like a low two Babbitt last year. Um, I just don't think. Uh, it's not sustainable. It's not going to happen. The average is going to come back. <laughs> so, and, um, and and then with the potential power where he's going, I just think he's a no brainer. Um. Ooh. Okay. I have a couple good things to read here for the people watching live or listening. Sam FBB one. You're supposed to read the draft kit. He wrote with like laughing emojis. Yes. I would like. I would like you to. I mean, if you pay for it, you can do what you want with it. You can flood. You can use it to wipe. I don't. He's talking about me. Obviously, I wrote it. Come on. I edited it. Did you though? Yeah, I know you edited it. There's a difference. You can edit without reading. And I do like this one a little better. Kind of partial, kind of partial to Mon Monda. No, see, no, like I'll show myself out. (laughs) I like that Covey. I'm always a fan of you as whole, as a whole, your videos, everything. Great follow. Great follow draft draft Reynolds. It's a wrap. I'll be like Reynolds wrap. Yes. Yes. Yes, I get it. That's why jet dad jokes. That I love it, dude. I need to have you on the show sooner than later. We will talk. (laughs) Um, And we need to get Ben. I need to get Ben on with him too, because the three of us. Ooh, Ben. I can't think of his last name from Pitchers List. Help me out here, Mike. Palmer. Palmer. Thank you. Palmer's a king with the dad jokes, man. Yep. So anyway, tangent. Get off this tangent. Um, Reynolds. I just don't know what the heck's going on. I mean, you mentioned the K rate was above his track record. Um, the launch we saw the increase in launching on pull rate, so I'm thinking he maybe made an attempt to generate more power. But with the ball becoming more of a dead ball thing, which we don't talk about enough, I've been trying to make sure I've mentioned it on every podcast the dead ball will benefit a Reynolds because the a Reynolds will be like, Well, wait, why am I going to try to generate power? The dead ball's here, it's a dead ball era. Play to his that would play to his skill set if he actually went back to not pulling as much and trying to lift as much, just hit the ball, see ball, hit ball, and Reynolds will be who he's been. and I got it. I would like to see it first, but I'm okay. Again, if you want some late batting average, he's worth a shot and he should play every day. So yep. I'm I'm not anti Reynolds at all. I'm just I'm not I'm cautiously optimistic, I think is what it is. I want to yeah, see yeah. him revert. I want to see him go back to what he was doing that was successful, not what he changed in terms of his approach. Like that really it made no sense. I don't, I don't know because he's such a good hitter. He just tried transitioning the hit, the hit tool. I mean, it's tough. Power. It's such a short season. And I don't uh, know. I don't know if he maybe he pressed a little bit. Maybe he was like yeah. getting. Maybe he was struggling, and Reynolds did struggle a little bit. So maybe he pr- was pressing and just trying to just get hits. Who knows, man? Over a long season, he probably would have corrected things. Let's be exactly. honest. Right. Anyways, uh, any more? You want to throw one more out there? One more. Uh, sure, I'll throw one more out there for you. <laughs> well, you listen. You never get to talk hitters. Isn't this nice? Eh, it's all right. Pitchers are a lot more fun. Well, then what the heck are you? Com- why complain? You are a single person. All right. I complain. All I talk about is one. I give you a chance to talk about another. And um, move on. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, sh- real quick, real quick. Sorry, Sam FBB one. Same in Dynasty for Reynolds or just redraft? I'm guessing you mean same in terms of what? I, I don't know what the like, reference is. Like we like him in Dynasty. Um. I think he's whatever in Dynasty. I think it's pretty much, yeah. I think his, his value is probably less in Dynasty because he's not like a long-term like asset. I would be like, oh, I got to have him. He's just a guy you just – like in deeper leagues, he probably has more value because he's a guy you just – what I would call a roster stabilizer. Reynolds is nothing – not exciting, and that's okay, though. Oh, oh, there it is, and he's pouring. You would think this is BB&B, buddy. 
but you know that's on hiatus right now we'll talk about that another day um another hitter last hitter come on then we have like four questions and we'll wrap up all right um i have to say i like yo makata and i you know what it's funny i feel like every um like if you look at sgp and stuff they all hate him but i you know how can you not chalk it up to COVID? he had it he's been very verbal about it and how it really doing well what no, he was he was very verbal. I was finishing your sentence because I'm a terrible host and I talk over people. All right, um, so he's very <laughs> verbal about it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it affected him the entire season. He's obviously not as bad as he was last year. I still think we could see a decently high average from him, and he's going to bring you some power, a little bit of speed in a very good lineup. So I think he's just a little bit undervalued this year. I just, I'm t- it's tough. I, I was torn on him as I wrote him up. I was very torn on him because I mentioned you mentioned COVID with Mankata, yeah. and he mentioned not being able to find energy like daily. I remember last season reading about it, yep. and he struggled with strikeouts in 2020. He posted, but throw it away. But but yeah, I, I want to because because while struggling with strikeouts, he did so while having a career low whiff rate. So. Like I think it was just a lot of taking too much pitches, not being as aggressive. Maybe he was and, too tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe he was too tired to swing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, and yeah, like I'm. He was notably more aggressive. I mean, his first pitch swing rate was down 8.5 points from from 2019. So it was like a change in approach. Pitchers probably got ahead, and then he probably just said, "Screw it, I must win this heavy bat." And yeah, um, but. Black. But even in a down year, he was still the guy. Like that's the thing, though. It's like funny because you want to talk up to COVID, and there's a couple other things that maybe Makata struggled with. But if you look at every season prior to 2019, the numbers essentially lined up. So it's really funny that we're talking yeah. up to a lost year. But he's just 25 years old, entering 2021. I think Makata will be. Maybe 2019 might have been the ceiling because we're entering the dead yeah, ball era and all that. That, at but, that point, but, but I think he's a lot. I think he's better, obviously, than yes. Lowenthal. Yeah, and the thing it's is, though, is mean. if he had a bad 60 game stretch, we would we would probably see him either a bounce back or b chalk it up to a bad stretch, and you and that's it. And you're yeah. getting these discounts on a lot of these players, and that's why draft strategy as a whole this year is really tough. Nuts, yeah, it's but. Nuts. That's why these rankings are like, I'm throwing everything at the wall and I'm hoping something sticks. Um, that's going to do it for the hitters, buddy. You got to talk hitters. I could tell you were so enthusiastic. So let's get to these so questions. Fun. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, <laughs> goodness, I, I just loathe you. Um, questions. Josh St. Marie, a writer for SP Streamer. And again, a site I've heard of, but earlier. I'm sorry? Who I mentioned earlier. Yes, you did. If you were stranded on a desert island, because apparently this is an extreme question. If you were stranded on a desert island, with limited internet act connection and could only load two stats for hitters and two for pitchers. I guess we know who's answering what for who or for which, uh, which stats would you choose and why? Actually- Come on. You got the pitchers. Come on. <laughs> um, K minus walk. I know that's one of them. I've asked you this question before. It has to be K walk. And then one other stat. Jesus. I almost want to just like troll this question and be like, just go with K minus walk and Sierra. They're both the most predictive. What else can you go with? I want to troll this question and just say batting average and Babbitt. (laughs) Um, It's so tough for me because I'm really, I'm I'm a snob for plate discipline. So I saw someone, I think I saw someone mention contact rate in the thread. I love contact rate. I think you get an idea of how good of a hitter somebody can be just by how much they put the bat in the ball. And then Woba, I'm big on Woba because it's just like an, an accumulation of like all of everything a guy does offensively. Yep. 
So I think those are the two if I had to choose. I mean, again, just like you said, pitching is tough, and there's so much you want to look at. Hitting, you don't give it enough credit. There's a lot to it. Um, maybe not as much because there's not per pitch. I can't do per body part through mechanics or something. <laughs> just trying to think of uh, something that would make sense in your th- – I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I get that's where I'm at with those two stats. From Wake Up on Twitter, uh, how does your ideal first three rounds go in a draft? Uh, personally, I would love basically two aces and then a bat. I and think that's I the consensus. That to be um, high average with some type of steals. I'm okay. The average, it depends on how much you believe in like a Harper because I like Harper a lot. I think the batting average is going to be better than we expect. But Bryce Harper's a guy I love getting, but it's because you can pair him with a good ace in the first round, get Harper in the second or vice versa. You can see stuff like that happen. Um, that's like ideal. Like that's why I like picking in the back end of the first round, because I've noticed if you get a top three pick and you, you don't take a starter, your options usually on that two, three turn in deeper formats are very limited. You're lucky to get a, um, a Bauer to follow. You mentioned, we mentioned max picks of Bauer and Darvish 25, 26. They're not, they're not falling. Even that they're max picks, they're not making it back to you with the first overall pick. So you have to hope for some pitching to fall. But as draft season goes on, these pitchers are going up, moving up the board. Yeah. So picking top three makes it really tough. So it's like if you're picking top three in an NFC format or a deeper format, are you are you willing to go pitcher at this point? If I'm picking top three, top three, are you willing to go take a pitcher Cole, at this point? Because considering what could fall to you in the second and third, it depends. Um, I think if I don't get Tatis, then yes, because. We mentioned it. Um, realistically, would you feel comfortable? Say you, so you, you, you like Tatis, obviously, right? So you, if you got Tatis in, in the first three picks, your pitchers again, I'm looking at ADP over the last 30 days, your choices would be Scherzer, Flaherty, Kershaw, Woodruff, Gallon. Those would be like the top four options off the like on average so, there for like, you. I would go Tatis, Flaherty, Woodruff. Okay, and I actually like that start, and that's something I'd be okay with that start, okay. or like so. I want to point out quickly, um, go ahead. I, in Battle of the Pods, I purposely I've been liking middle of the draft this year, and it's because I really want Trey Turner. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. in this one, Justin Mason sniped me. But, <laughs> um, I ended up Bieber Harper, which I absolutely loved. I love that combo. I, oh, see, dude, that's amazing. I I went third, I think I went reached a little for Tim Anderson. Um, Ew, what are you doing? Um, Stop it. No, I like Tim Anderson, man. See, see, I think with shortstops this year, you need to um, grab some of the top tiers. Otherwise, I think it really falls off personally. But I actually agree because I think it's really loaded, the top like 10 or 12. And then what happens? The, the depth goes away. And people are like, well, shortstop's deep. Like top nine, maybe. I think maybe. Even. Well, if you can get two of those top nine, I think there's a an, an edge because now you're – that you're making the pool a little lower as well. If you're taking, because people, and that's the thing people talk about shortstop. I reach for Framber. I don't remember. I don't know. I, 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 I your made a terrible <laughs> pick at, at some point in that draft. But um, anyway, I I, I, I've been trending towards, I really like seven, eight, nine a lot this year. Yeah. See, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm really torn. I, I don't like the top three picks because of what we just said. And you're hoping for those guys to fall, but I was in, I did a main last year and the, the bigger the money league I've noticed, the more pitching drives up. Mm-hmm. So and me and you are in that tag team league, buddy. That's gonna be fun. We're yeah, not partners, you, though. Who are you with? Oh, it doesn't matter because you didn't invite me to be with you. We're I, be friends. I, see, here's the thing. So <laughs> here's the thing. We're not I'll friends. Let, Got it. Put that out, and uh, uh, Matt Davis put that out. I forgot what happened. I forgot if Matt I, Davis, Matty. Oh, 
Uh, yeah, right. Matt, wait, what? Who was it? It was Davis, right? So, um, I forget if I commented or or Matt did. Matt Williams did. One of us commented, and then Matt asked me to. Uh huh. He, oh yeah, definitely. It would have made most sense. Hey, Mike, draft kit buddies, you did hitting. I did pitching. Let's put that together and see if it works. Nah. No, no. You went with the other hitting oh, guy. That's Matt too. Matt's a hitting. I guy. know, but he didn't write the draft kit with you, buddy. Come on, that would have been great. But you great for- told me you're not really investing. I did say that, and then so. next thing you know, next thing you know, I asked the wife, got permission to get into some leagues anyway because we, I spent all my money on the house and car. But I can't resist fantasy baseball, so I'm I'm in that league. I, I'm with uh, Zach, the other the one who put on Battle of the Pods. Oh, okay. Got He's you. a long time friend. I mean, him have actually been playing in home leagues together for like five or so years. Yeah, he's gotten gotten much better yeah i will zach um wax, uh, zach wax yeah he's uh he's uh I, I used to hate how he drafted and he knows that but he also knows i'll keep him in check with certain things and, and he he'll keep like that anymore as much as much well the thing is, is i'll keep him in check completely and he'll, he'll be able to he's really good with numbers so he'll be able to keep tra- it's, it's a good mix basically anyway um let's get back to these questions we have three more john wilder from Twitter asks, what strategies do you use in auction drafts? You want to just, let's start there. Uh, what's right? Cause it's a multi-part question. What strategies do you use in auction drafts usually? Um, yeah, I mean, I go, um, stud dud. Yeah. Stars and, and scrubs. I guess. Scrubs, that's what it is. I like, couldn't remember the name. I call it stud dud because that's. <laughs> I do. I'm only in one auction league, uh, every year. Yeah, I know. And- think yeah you were in it last year and i honestly haven't even thought of how i'm going to approach it this year um but typically i do that i i love auctions though they're actually like yeah. favorite format because you can legitimately get who you want you build your team period um i mean i know they take like 12 years to do but i dude uh, my, my favorite as well we're yeah, all alone. So, so i tend to go that route um like i will definitely this year Hundred percent. Try and grab two aces off the top. You know, um, it depends. Though. That's a twelve team league, right? Like, yeah. Still, I'll still do it though. I mean, I'm in a twelve team league, and I didn't have to grab two aces. And my pitching staff, because I'm actually in a home league right now, drafting, and somebody recognized my name and DM'd me. It was like, "Hey, this is the right Curland, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's me." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." Like, that, that's kind of like one of those weird moments. I'm like, "Oh, people know me." Oh great um but yeah I, I forgot who i ended up with it was a 12 team league it's obp format so i ended up getting bieber and harper picking from the 10 spot and it's just like and then what fell to me after that was also really good i'm actually on the clock right now and i haven't picked because i've been the podcasting bad on me but um oh i ended up with please and woodruff as well just to give you an idea like i went really heavy with pitching because of the 12 team league things fall is what i'm getting at because you and i are used to 15 teamers now so that's what's that's really going to play into my strategy right here as a, as a talk strategy with um with auctions. I really usually I'm the same way. I'm big on stud dud. I like to get at least one to two really good pitchers and a good hitter to build my foundation, and then kind of plug in with the five to ten dollar players and a couple one dollar pieces in the shallower leagues because the one dollar players in shallower leagues because of how money usually falls out are really solid players a lot of the times honestly, and not and solid from my mindset because. I'm used to going deeper into the player pool. So I think there's probably more value in them than maybe others do. I think that's kind of like the downfall of playing deeper leagues. But ultimately, I'm with you. Stars and scrubs, uh, stud dud, whatever you want to call it. Big on that. 
deeper formats, I get one stud. I pay up big for the one stud, and then I kind of play the middle tiers, like the. And he mentioned it. Uh, do you, like, with twenty twenty being so uncertain, do you, in twenty twenty one, would you be want to build more around depth in terms of the ten to twenty dollar players? And that is a strategy I employ in deeper formats because I don't like to have all my like. I don't want to have all my money tied up in a few players. I want some depth because depth is harder to come by in, in a deeper format. So I usually draft a little differently in deeper formats. Do you kind of have you thought about how you would employ your strategy in a deeper format compared to a shallower format? Um. Yeah. I mean, you could find a lot, a lot of pitching later on in shallower formats. Yeah. So, so stud dud works. I would still. Yeah. I mean, I would still probably pay up for. I think regardless, I'm paying up for elite pitching. Um, Which is weird because last year that was the opposite for you. Yeah, but I think um, I think in shallower formats, I will probably more so get a lot more. Um, I, I will probably still hit on a pitcher or two, like in like the mid tiers. Mm-hmm. As um, I mean, sorry, in in deeper formats, I'll still hit on a pitcher in the mid tiers. Whereas deeper formats, I'll probably take a lot of like mid-tier bats and then hit on some pitchers later for like cheaper prices. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And I love again, I always recommend get into those types of formats. Auctions are so much fun. They're a lot of fun. But they are time consuming. You have to bring something to pee into and <laughs> and they're, they're like five hours long, legitimately. Oh, uh, we yeah. you have to I mean, maybe schedule a break if you if you know everyone in the league. But anyway, let's get we have two more questions. One's a fun one we're going to finish off with. So before we get to that one, we know fantasy on Twitter asked, is there the year is sorry, is there, is this the year to invest in a high end catcher early? I'm always going to say no, I can't, especially in one catcher formats, two catcher formats. I'm behind the idea of getting real Muto because I see how successful Toby is every year at doing this. He has sold me on the idea of getting a real Muto type early. But other than that, I, and I still won't do it often, but I will give it a shot because I really, again, I see how successful he is. He preaches it. I trust Toby. But this is not just because it's this year. For me, it's not like I have to get one every year. Um, what about you, though, Mike? Are you in on the catcher early deal here? Yeah, so it's really um, league-specific. I think only yes, in team catcher leagues, yes, you need to get a top-tier catcher, You know, one of like the top four guys, basically. Um, and that's just because of replacement value. I mean, they're they're just so valuable compared to the rest of the catchers where that makes them being pushed up even more. Um, so, yeah, in deep formats, I feel like it's pretty important and you definitely want to target for it. Um, but everything else, one catcher or even 12 team two catcher, I'm waiting. Yeah, exactly. Anything shallower than that deeper format i can wait on catcher i you can play the waiver wire there's gonna be somebody that pops every year there's a max stacy stacy however you say his last name there's always a guy like that every year um a, a prospect that pops maybe steven tyler stevenson this year could be that guy sam huff those guys will be free agents in your shallower formats that you can put on your watch list and wait for them to get the call that's why yeah in shallower formats i don't go high end catcher but i yeah i was definitely saying real muto and it's those deeper formats where i think he makes a true difference Last question, David Mendelson, our boy D Mendy over at the fan tracks. I mean, H- HQ situation, you know, where, where your podcast is at, right? Yeah. Uh, do you prefer your milkshakes sta- shaken or stirred? Yeah, I didn't know what this meant. Nope, but I just thought it was fun. <laughs> so my uh, answer is yes. 
My answer is I, yes. I just however like they make it a Corvell, I like it. There's my answer. I'm just going to go with yes. Um, <laughs> yes, milkshakes, yes. All right, Mike. This was fun, buddy. A little over an hour, but not surprised. Plug what you want to plug on the way out. You got a lot going on over there on SP Streamer side of things. Yeah, I mean, just check out our website, uh, spstreamer.com. We got some writers writing some stuff. Uh, but when the season starts, we're going to be doing a lot of streaming and all different kinds of streaming, which will be cool. Um, also, check out our podcast, the SP Streamer podcast. I have a wonderful, handsome, awesome host named Doug Ishikawa. You can follow him on Twitter at coachingish. Um, he's awesome. He needs more followers. I know. And, uh, I, I've plugged him as much as you probably do. It's crazy. I, I, I love Doug. Every single podcast because he needs more. Um, he's awesome. Yeah. And if you want to buy our draft kit, it's on our website. Uh, we also have an awesome membership with a Discord chat that's growing every day. And we do a lot of cool things in there. Like we're drafting a DC team together. Um, we got Rob DiPietro doing like a little tutorial this Saturday on how to use Babs and SGP for uh drafting so we got a lot of stuff going on a lot of cool things so just check out our website you'll see it all and you hear you see this prp oh rats i'm sorry if i couldn't say your name right i apologize you guys are great i'm sorry pr pow rats (laughs) i believe you you guys are a great combo to listen to you know what i tell him this I try to do show. I I try to do shows with him. We have a live stream we were doing last year. Guess who doesn't have time to do it this year? Oh, it's frustrating because I tell Mike all the time we have a good rapport. We work well together. He was a co-host on this podcast at one point before he got the uh, the guts to go start his own, which worked out. It's been great. I, I love this. I actually listen to this podcast in season for sure. You see how I emphasize in season because I don't have time otherwise. Honestly, that those five minute pods are honestly a great idea. I love them. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, though, I, I tell Mike this. Mike knows how I feel, but whatever. It is what it is. I'm just going to bo- bother him. Grow my brand, all right? Leave me alone. I'm sorry? <laughs> so I'm trying to grow my brand. Leave me alone. You can grow your brand. You can br- <laughs> We'll talk. Off. All right, let's, let's wrap this up. Again, you can follow Mike on Twitter at SPStreamer. You can follow Doug at Coaching-ish. We both highly recommend Doug as a follower. He's a great dude overall and an even greater host. Make, makes Mike look better than he actually is. Okay. And um, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Don't forget to hit the five star rating and review on the way out. That's greatly appreciated. And as always, we appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>